from Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide. Find the common ground we know we all share. Hi, I'm B.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. America has often been at the crossroads, and yet here we are again. What do we do? And how do we do it? Together, let's get into it. Our purpose? To do the work. To truly peel away at the extremes, for it's the extremes, the extremes that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog. Small groups of people with outsized voices are commanding the stage, and the rest of us? Well, the rest of us suffer for it. It's time for all that to change. Let's lean into discomfort. Let's have the hard conversations, and together, let's etch the edges. Welcome back to Etch the Edges, the show where you know we do the hard work of trying our best to close the ideological divide, because it's about the stories, right? We want to share the stories, have regular conversations with everyday people who often enough find themselves doing extraordinary things. And that's a great thing. But what we always want to make sure we're doing is giving folks who have one outlook as opposed to another the opportunity to share some grace, give some grace, have a discussion, and talk about why it is they do the things that they do. So today, our special guest is Sophie Gibson. Sophie, welcome to the show. I'm excited and it's an honor to be here. Thank awesome. you so much on Edge the Edges. What is it? Etch the Edges. You got it. We're etching the edges. <laughs> One moment to the next. That's what we right? So Sophie is running for city councilwoman in the great city of Norcross, Georgia. Norcross is part of the great state, a great county of Gwinnett. We're fellow Gwinnettians. And Gwinnett County is part of the great state of Georgia. Just so you folks remember, we got to lean in and remind over and over again, elections are November 2nd. That's right, Sophie, right? Yes, they are. But early voting has already started. So we're in the middle of early voting. And that goes through to uh, October 29th. We even have voting on Saturday. So today you can go to City Hall and cast your vote between nine and five City Hall in Norcross, 65 Lawrenceville. Uh, what is that street again? Lawrenceville, yes, 65 Lawrenceville Street. Cast your vote through to October 29th. Critical, and critical point. And then you have regular voting, which is, as you said, uh, Derek, November 2nd. There you go, people. And again, as you're going out into your Saturday and enjoying the, well, as Sophie and I were alluding to the fact right before we started the show, the, the weather's not looking that great, but we're putting out positive vibes, positive energy, because Sophie's got to go out and campaign. Yes, I sure do. And, you know, right after I'm finished here on the show, I'm going out to campaign. And in fact, we have something at Mojitos. We have an event at Mojitos uh, downtown uh, Norcross at uh, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. today. Come out and, well, this probably will air after but, you know, folks, we, we, invite, we invite folks to come out and, and have some refreshments with us. And then we have an event at the brand new, spanking brand new uh, Crown Plaza in Norcross um, 
they haven't even done their official grand opening yet, but I'm helping them along by hosting an event there this coming, um, this coming Thursday, October 21st, between 6 and 8 p.m. And I actually have amazing friends, uh, Lois and Rudy uh, Becerra, who are uh, longtime great friends, and they're hosting with me. Rudy used to be the head of the um, all, you know, for uh, Lat all of Latin America, Coca-Cola. He has moved on to another uh, organization that just does everything to do with with um, the Latin American on a on a on a global scale. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that I get some of my um, Hispanic friends coming out and just having some fun with us. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, now realize, folks, what what Sophie just said. Right, first out the gate, we got to understand, and I'm glad she mentioned it. Because as you all know, I always constantly remind us that one of the most important things we do as citizens of this great country is vote. And often enough, you can ask your everyday person, they vote every four years. And that's the important vote. No, folks, all politics is local. And a lot of you don't even know that you live in municipalities. Become aware. American freedom is hard. You earn it every day. You get breaks from it. You can breathe easy. It provides space and gives you room to be who you want to be, but you still have to be engaged in the process, nonstop, 24-7. Know the issues, understand what's happening in the community, and like Sophie said, get up off the sofa and go vote. Vote, people. <laughs> it's important. And she said, for those in Norcross, she gave the address. I'll ask her to repeat it later on in the show. I don't know it by heart. I don't live in that municipality, but if I did, if I did, I'll tell you right now, I'd be voting first thing this morning. Most certainly. It's that yeah. important. I would not wait. But again, early voting is on. We've got Saturday voting around here. You could get the thing done before November 2nd. And if you don't get it done before November 2nd, again, get up off the sofa and be there and vote. It's important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, again, alluding to the fact, if I can get away from work, I might swing down there myself. That new hotel down there, I heard, is pretty darn swanky. So, you know, um, yeah. A yeah. Or two, please, some good folks please. have a space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please come out. You know, it's just encouraging everyone to, to be engaged in your community. Um, you know, folks don't understand how local elections really affect them. Exactly. And, um, and more so than presidential elections. Uh, you know, it's it, the presidential elections are the bright shining stars and it's exciting. And of course, media makes it extremely exciting. But the elections that really matters directly to families uh, are local elections because we help to determine the schools, the type of schools you, your children go to, the, the response time for the police. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things uh, that your local, uh, I, I hate to say the word, uh, politician. I'm getting used to it. Somebody said that to me and I turned around the other day to look because, you know, I'm getting used to used to that. I, I'm, I'm so green. People said to me, oh, you don't sound like a politician yet. So hopefully ooh, that doesn't ooh, take ooh, ooh. Can, can I offer you something, Sophie? Yes. Can I offer you something? I've been telling every candidate that I talk to that I don't like politicians. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do. I actually, I, in my in my workspace for years, I've done politics quite well. But, um, and politician is a necessary word, as yeah. is politics, but politicians have taken on a negative connotation 
And we know, we both know it's been well earned. It's been well earned. We have people that go into the field to make a living. Now we know in your particular role in, in, in that you're running for- <laughs> Definitely you can, not. You can, I mean, you know, the lovely background of your home would not be afforded you by the salary <laughs> that Norcross will pay. We know that, nowhere, nowhere near. You probably couldn't afford that television. But uh, all that aside, right? We throw that aside. The point being that politician is a necessary word, but I, I, we, we don't necessarily want it. What I've been telling candidate Sophie is be a statesman. Mm, I love that. Or stateswoman. Yes, you are running for that because <laughs> you care about the community and folks, you guys can't necessarily see Sophie's background. We tend to try to do our best to thrive in Gwinnett. And then uh, in, was it last night or uh, Thursday night, I believe, in the debate, you know, uh, you were talking about, you know, the, the growth of the community and how you want the community to do well, all of us no matter our ethnicity, those things are important. And unfortunately, often enough, we see politicians who don't, they say they care about that, but they don't act like it. No, they don't. Those women do. They <laughs> seem to want to serve. They want to serve well, do their bid. It might not necessarily be for five, 10, 15 years, but it's, you're there to do something because you've been called to do it. And when your time is done, you go back to your wonderful home and back to what it is you do. That's how yeah. this should really work. Wouldn't you agree? I definitely, you know, I don't know any other way. I grew up uh, with parents, you know, parents are very influential uh, with children. And um, of course, you know, society as, as a whole influences them, but they also are influenced, even though they may not be listening to you, they are, um, you are really influencing them and defining who they become. And so as much as I hate to admit it, I've pretty much become my parents in the sense of serving. I was the kid, you know, there are five girls. I would be the one, all of us rolling our eyes because our parents were taking one more person in and it's just more, you know, we are thinking about it to share. I remember being like 10 years old and um, planting uh, trees you know, and just having to do one more thing as a kid back then to serve, you know, I, I won't lie, I was rolling my eyes, but guess, look at what, <laughs> look where it's got me. Look where you are now. So, you know <laughs> what, that's the perfect segue, Sophie, as we always like to do, we want to get to know our people. So you started a little bit there, just, you know, keep right on going. So who is Sophie Gibson? What's her story? Where does she come from? And how did she arrive in the great city of Norcross? Oh my gosh. Well, that story, it, it, there's so many angles to that. I believe I'm still on my journey and I have not yet truly become who I'm meant to, to be. I'm working on that. Um, you know, life is, life is a continuous uh, journey. You take so many different paths uh, to achieve your truest and highest uh, self. So um, I was born in Jamaica in, in uh, Kingston, St. Andrew, um, you know, folks, Kingston is a really tiny place and, um, you know, and, you know, the little island of Jamaica, I think now when I was growing up, we had about 2 million people today, we have 3 million that actually still live there. And I believe we have more Jamaicans outside of Jamaica than in Jamaica right now. Wow. So, yeah, okay. yeah. So my mom always say, no matter where in the world you are, there is a Jamaican they they're then they could do both they could do good things and they could do bad things 
<laughs> well, that's with what, anyone. That's with what, anyone. Right. Whatever it is, they're doing the best at it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Well said. Well said. So um, I grew up, you know, with uh, parents uh, in, in, our, in my home, both parents, um, mom and dad, which is something that I um, didn't have the opportunity to, to have my children see. But to be honest, what I've learned is that children uh, learn based on example and love. And it has nothing to do with, you know, if there are two dads, um, one mother, um, one dad, it's totally irrelevant. It's just about, are they being loved? And so I felt I was loved <clears throat> uh, growing up. And um, my parents, I'd never, I felt they didn't prepare us because I really didn't see them. I never seen them fight. I never heard a raised voice, but guess what? That doesn't prepare your child for real reality. Yeah. And, um, and so I really feel that it's good to see disagreement because then you really learn um, you know, as I said, everything is an example and you watch folks. So um, you don't really learn how to stand up for yourself because you never really um, had that scenario. Although my, my, my life wasn't all roses. My parents had us working from um, probably totally illegal, but uh, uh, 11 years old, I was working at um, forestry department doing filing in the summertime. So um, every summer, I don't remember a summer I've not worked um, since I was 11 years old. So wow. that's another component in terms of work ethic, uh, you know, that I learned. Uh, we swam. I swam for Jamaica. So we, I used to complain, can I have one day off, which is Sunday? We had to get up to go to church. But that was okay because by the time I was 12, I was asked not to return because I asked too many questions. <laughs> So all my sisters are confirmed except me. So it, confirmation classes, I was told I asked too many questions. And so I was told not to come back. Totally wow. forgot about it to my mom. Was br brought it up about three years ago at a family gathering. She's like, does everybody remember when, <laughs> when the, <laughs> the father called me to, to speak to, um, you know, my dad and, and, and my mom. So anyways. Wow. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a heck of a thing, right? You know, so I'm, I'm Roman Catholic as well. I, I actually tell people I'm Roman Catholic every other Sunday because, as you said, uh, from the direction of your parents, one weekend I would be at St. Paul of the Cross Roman Catholic Church, and then the following weekend I'd be down at Noonan, Georgia, at the venerable money earning Mount Vernon Southern Baptist Church, where the great Reverend T. Coleman would stand over the pulpit and spit stentorian Coleman. <laughs> over our heads and if you know and that went for like two and three hours and if you took a nap like i sometimes did i got knocked upside the back of my head by whoever was sitting behind me because <laughs> everyone had the right to beat you upside the head when you're in church and you're a child and you're falling asleep shoot they do it to grown folks so you know it, it was it made for an interesting way to be brought up but i got my feel of religion i'm i'm, I'm full i'm full up and and you know i'm right. a, a firm believer in a greater power but um, when it comes to, I say it like this, religion is government by another name because it still has its proclivities and whatnot, and you can find your faith in it. But faith is not necessarily bound up in religion, right? Faith is your 100%. belief, the, your, your power that you retain from feeding what you seem to know innately, just by intuition. That is yeah. right. That yeah. is right. 
Yeah, you you can get fed spiritually from so many components. It doesn't have to be, you know, four walls. And, you know, it doesn't matter the religion. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be a religion. It's just a matter, it doesn't have to be a religion. And, you know, religion is all man-made from my vantage point, but it's just, it was formed because of the need to want to serve and also the, just the hunger to, to, uh, to grow and reach, you know, your highest potential. So that's, I think it was created just because, you know, we really have that inherent, um, it's natural to us to want to, to, to serve. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you don't mind, I, I you know, and, and I hope I'm not insulting anyone out there about this, but, you know, as you said, working from 11, I'm just going to lean on one of the old stereotypes for a moment here, because, <laughs> see, you know, by the time I was like 11 or 12, I wasn't working. I was still playing with Star Wars stories. But, you know, um, folks, I was I started to become aware of the stereotype of Caribbean folks, particularly <laughs> coming to the country. And our brothers and sisters would be putting us to shame, talking about, you know, you have no job. Like, job. I'm not, I'm a child. You know, I'm not working. I have five jobs. Wait a minute, what? Yeah. You don't have one? I've got five. And you know, and, and the funny thing is, right? The funny thing is, is as I got older through my 20s and my 30s and whatnot, I would meet wonderful brothers and sisters from Jamaica. And once again, I'd sometimes I'd sit back and I go, I gotta work hard. <laughs> it's You're true. killing it. You're killing it. It's true. It's true. So sometimes, I mean, this is not great behavior, right? But when I am still for a moment, I'm like, I'm fighting in my head. This is lazy. Mm. What's wrong with you? This, that's, that's, that's not okay either. But I, yes, the stereotypical, of course, I didn't, it was stereotypical at the time. I came to the United States on my own at 19 with literally a hundred dollars. My parents uh, were able to send me and they gave me an open ticket, mm. which meant I could come home within a year, you know, within a year's time. And I came, I landed J July 17th, 1987. So now everybody knows how old, how old I am and that's okay. And, um, you know, just do the math. Right. And I, um, I was going to university in Jamaica um, and I did un university there for a year. We call it UE. Of course, they have several universities now. And uh, came, went to New York and I enrolled in uh, the CUNY system because in my head, I had to still go to school. So I enrolled in CUNY um, City University of New York at, at Lehman. So Lehman was the only school open at the time that would be accepting late folks. And um, it was in the Bronx. And so I would trudge or get there. And by August, I had, okay, I, I start, I went to New Jersey, started out with New Jersey and Best Western Hotel was where, near where my aunt were, lived. And I walked over there and got me, it was close by, I didn't have a car or anything. So I, I walked and got a job cleaning rooms. I'd never cleaned a room, you know, and besides my own, when I was growing up, um, so I only was able to do that job three days. So I was cleaning rooms at Best Western. I think they were paying us almost $4 an hour. I can't wow. remember what it was. It was so bad. And um, at that job lasted three days for me. I'd never worked so you know, hard physically that my feet, I couldn't walk. 
Wow. After the third day. So that ended that career and um, <clears throat> went back to New York and, um, you know, had got a babysitting job. I looked after this. Um, I didn't know at the time, world renowned, uh, 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 what do you call it, trumpet player uh. that, yeah, called Jabo. If you look him up, Jabo Smith, I mean, he was, he played with the greats. And um, he was, he had become blind. And I, um, I looked after him on Saturdays and Sundays from eight to six. So, and then um, after school, I did my babysitting job. And then I also got another job working at this um, place called, um, oh my God, on 86th Street, it was a gym, um, uh, you know, and I taught, started off there teaching swimming <clears throat> and they paid me uh, $6 an hour while paying, you know, which I had, that was two lessons. So each lesson was $3 and they paid, of course, um, you know, another person. This time I started to learn about racism. They mm -hmm. paid her $40 an hour. So $20 a lesson. So it was $17 um, every 30 minutes difference. So I was getting to understand, but guess what? She did, she, she, married somebody wealthy and she didn't have the capacity to start running that company. So after a few months, I would, I, I was teaching aerobics. I was in the office. This is during the summer. Now I was in the office. I was, um, you know, doing teaching aerobics and doing other things. So, um, um, Armando, uh, he was Mexican would open up at five 30 in the morning and I would be there with him to start the day so i in the summers i worked from 5 30 there to the 11 p.m at night and um the owner stopped coming in, <laughs> he stopped coming in. He stopped, yeah he relied on me and um gave me a little little raise um but it was you know um contentious in the sense that he i had to to constantly be arguing to be paid it was wow it was, yeah um and that that was the beginning of you know, I see what I can do. So I started my own. I rented pool space in Brooklyn College. I don't know who told me. I didn't think of it as being entrepreneurial. Never occurred to me. Uh, I went to Brooklyn College, rented uh, space from them. They said you needed property and liability insurance. I was like, what is that? Yeah. I'm like 20 years old now. So it was a year and maybe four months after I'd gotten there. And I had not been indoctrinated. You remember, I didn't grow up here. I didn't know that uh, there are things that you're not supposed to do or can't do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so um, I called the 12th person, 12th person said, I will give you, I'll get you property and liability insurance because it needed to be for 2 million and a million. I can't remember which was which. And um, I'll do it for you and you don't have to pay me the first quarter nice that was yeah it was a big break and um so i was able to get in i had i i had to hire people um i grew the business to eight employees and i had over about 200 students and you know that's when i started doing advertising in the papers for um it was just a wonderful experience except for for the staffing situation you know and then also folks coming into the, the pool were trying to find Sophie Gibson and they were so confused. 
um, you know, because it was Carnarcy at the time, mainly Jewish area. So I hired someone that was 28 years old and um, was a Jewish woman. So that, yeah, I, I was learning. I was you learning. innovated your way and navigated your way through yeah. it. Got it going. Yeah. So would you say that's your first official business? Yes, that was my first official business, but I didn't know that's what it was called <laughs> because I was just doing what I felt that I had to do. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I know I got married at 20 and um, uh, I, I, I little into the business when my son, I had him at 21. So when he was a year and four months and I was four months pregnant. So now I'm 23, thy husband <clears throat> um, died. And so, you know, I did that business for a little while more. But then um, I remember Brooklyn College said, oh, they wanted to clean the place for two weeks. And when I came back, they started their own program. So what, say what? I learned about contracts, learned about contracts. Contracts are very important. You have to have it. Don't skip it. Any entrepreneur, I'm telling you contracts, even today, I, you know, you still get bitten because you start trusting and, and um, yep. you know, if, if yeah. So contracts, 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 contracts. Can't say it enough. A, a bit of lesson, but still a good lesson mm -hmm. nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah. what, what was next? You had your first business, mm -hmm. got that going. You have a wonderful baby boy, but you suffered a bit of tragedy because you found a, a man and you guys were forming a family together, but then he passed. Yeah, yeah. so I had to... Um, so I was pregnant too. So I went back home for 30 days and then um, spent the holidays with my family and then went back to New York to, you know, make sure you have my baby. And um, after that, uh, you know, I, I decided I was going to, I looked at all the magazines, I always wanted to, to um, create a magazine since I was 16 so I looked at what's the favorite magazine I like. It was New Woman magazine at the time. And they were owned by Murdoch back then. Um, they, you know, I think they're still in the UK and maybe Australia, but they're no longer operational here. And I um, decided I'm going to work there. So I called and um, started off as an intern there. Um, the lady who answered the phone they assumed that I had called. She thought she had I'd spoken to her before and I just rolled with it. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, <laughs> I rolled with it. I went in and I was hired. And then within, <laughs> within three months, I, um, I got offered three different jobs from folks that wanted to, you know, cause I was the first one there and the last one there. And um, that, you know, arranging to have somebody look after your children was not a relative was difficult, but I did it. And, um, and, but I ended up sending my kids home for about a year, a year and a few months with my mom and dad. And gotcha. um, yeah. And then I worked at new woman magazine for a couple years and right, you know, doing, you know, doing different things at production. Um, I did a lot of production work. So that, you know, you know, every aspect of the magazine from promotions to, um, you know, all aspects from writing. I did the cover lines. I was, you know, quotes. Uh, there were so many aspects. And um, yeah, so that was, 
that was that stint. And then I met somebody again who lived in Jamaica and wanted, you know, didn't like New York. So I made the compromise, went back. And then I came to Gwinnett <laughs> after in 1995, I said he didn't like New York. And I had visited Georgia, uh, Georgia a few times. And I love, it just reminded me of home. It wasn't as fast paced as New York. Right. Um, even though I left New York kicking and screaming and I ended up in Lawrenceville in Gwinnett. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Bought so my you, first home. Here, you get, you, you said, I'm going to make Gwinnett County my home off the jump. Lawrenceville is going to be your city, your place of residence. And that was 1995. You said, yes. right? Yeah. Quite a bit. Quite some time ago. So what was it like uh, in 1995 for a Jamaican person who is turning American and learning everything about this country, your confrontations with racism and, and all of those things? Because like I tell people, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a native Atlantan, so to speak, metro, and I grew up in what we uh, love to call the SWATs, Southwest Atlanta too strong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my wife and I have made Gwinnett our home as well. But once upon a time, we would say, well, you don't don't go to Gwinnett. <laughs> you don't want to go driving through Gwinnett. No. Well, if you just, the thing is, if you're going to go to Gwinnett, do drive through because you're not, <laughs> the right, you're not the right hue. You know, if you decide to slow down or stop, you may run into problems. And of course, interestingly enough, when you become a, when you become a Gwinnettian or you get to know a lot more about the county, you find out about its deep roots, its history, and the fact that people of color have always been here, as they have in other places. But yeah. there's been success in Gwinnett, you know, for people of color, despite our challenges. But what was it like for you? So uh, it wasn't the. F <laughs> um, I didn't find that there. The only there's someone that mentioned that to me, and I worked with her at New Woman. She uh, lived in Gwinnett all her life. She happened to oh. be, uh, you know, a Southern belle. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, Sophie, that may not be the best place for you to be. And she was, you know, being loving. Um, and I caught on to what she was saying, but I got here and I, I don't remember ever having any, any issues at all or was unaware of them. You see, I was so naive back then. I didn't know, you know, you, you just, sometimes you just don't know. Right. Right. And so um, uh, I, I think my kids and I, they, they, they uh, reminisce about, you know, our humble home there and, and, the, and the, the sense of, of family that was in, on that block. Um, I, I stayed there about four years and then I sold and you would not believe what I did next. I went to Cumming, Georgia. I built a home in 2000 and then I put my kids through something. So they were the, they were the two of them were the 0.2% of the kids in the school. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I moved because it was, I, I had gotten another job and it was, you know, in the tech world and it was, um, you know, in Johns Creek. And I moved because not just naive, but I did get, you know, I have someone I consider my mother. Her name is Henrietta Antonine, lives in Southwest Atlanta. And if you're running for anything in Atlanta, you try to get on her good side. 
Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I actually met Stacy Abrams in her living room before she, you know, um, when she was wanting to dip her toes into running for, for governor. Uh, however, uh, she warned me she was on the bus with Oprah uh, going down to coming and um, she herself was arrested 13 times during the civil rights movement. Wow. So, yeah, so I... I did, I did my thing. I, you know, I sold that home in 2015 after I got divorced, but however, um, I had, I did have some incidents where I had, especially with my kids going down to the school, I had to, to set some things straight. So <laughs> it yeah, you got to do it. Cause you, you'll run into it. We know that what I often tell folks and my wife and I were just discussing this last night, Sophia and, and for, our white brothers and sisters, they, a lot of them already know this and they understand it and they give us grace and they have compassion. But people of color don't want to talk about race anymore. We all understand that there's only one race, but racism is real. And what I always, I always admonish my white brothers and sisters to understand is that we are tired of this racism thing. We talk about race every single solitary day. And it's not because we want to. It finds us. Yeah, just when we turn on the television, when we open up our our, our, our laptops, or we or we're listening to the radio. If it's not something that's done to us, it's visited upon our eyes and our ears. We always get it, and we long for the day when we can be like you guys, and we're like, well, nah, I didn't have to talk about racism today. There was no racism; nothing happened. But from yeah. one moment, one step to the next. <laughs> Even if you're just round in the corner and you see two people interacting and something happens, there may be a component there that is racism. And we long for being able to put it down. But either way, that we, we, we thrust that to the side and we keep it moving and we strive to be our best, just like you're doing now. So you, you, you decided to uh, put, the, <laughs> you moved to Cummings. You decided to put Cummings behind you. And just so folks understand, Cummings is great. We know a lot of Black folks have a fear of Lake Lanier. I don't. I have uh, spent the night up there. I love that place. Blah, 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 blah. But you decided to come on down to, to Norcross. Was that the next yeah, move? Yeah. Well, I'm, my next move was to Johns Creek. And then I spent a little while there because my daughter was in you know, school. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to disrupt her too much. Anyway, so we ended up there for four years. And as soon as she was done, I said I wanted to move to Atlanta. So I wanted to go to Atlanta. And um, my son was now living in Norcross. And he's like, Mom, you have to check this out. This is great. I'm like, why am I going? No, I, I am now single. I can, you know, my kids are grown, I could do what I want to do. Um, you know, I, all my, you know, they're all, they're educated. My last one now, she's 20. So she's at Georgia State University. I'm like, I can be me now. And it's like, mom, please check it out. So anyway, um, he, he is now, he's now married um, at the time. Um, he, he, and he has a husband and who has, um, uh, is a realtor. So Zach took me around and I fell in love with downtown Norcross. And I then now, I don't mean to interrupt you, Sophie. I just want to throw this in real quick. For those that don't know, visit downtown Norcross. I, I'm I'm Suwanee, love Suwanee, but Norcross is beautiful. It really is. So if you happen to find yourself on the North Metro side, 
whether you're headed to the Mall of Georgia, the Exchange, or you're just wandering around up here, give No Cross a stop. I promise you, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sophie. Yeah, thanks for the plug. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind. Of, it was like a well kept secret, I thought. And um, I said I wanted to move here. And then when I looked at the stats, the stats it was um, it's one of the most uh, I think over a hundred native languages are spoken here, right? So it fits right into this whole multicultural component, which is a big, big part of my life. And I shared that with, um, I shared that at the debate, I don't, you know, and- uh, can, folk- you, can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Cause you did share it at the debate and I think folks would love to hear it. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a multicultural family. I just didn't know it was multicultural because it's a different, Yes, in Jamaica, you do have it, you do have discrimination. And I think because black people are the majority, it's, you know, I, this is just an assumption. I haven't done the research. I really don't know. It's just an assumption. It's a different perspective. My father is a black man and he was strong and he was just an amazing human being and um, very intelligent. If I'm walking in Jamaica, now, I remember I was walking there a few years after he passed and someone stopped me and was saying, oh, my God, your dad changed my life. He made, you know, he made me who I am. And when he walked off, I was like, oh, thank you. My sister said, do you know who that is? I was like, no, because I don't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. It, this guy, this man is in, um, he is the most well-known anchor on television in Jamaica. I was like, oh, that's great. You know, so my dad touched a lot of lives. Wow. And he believed in a lot of people. So, um, and he married this, this, um, this multicultural lady whose father was from Beirut, Lebanon. And um, her mother was Scottish, um, Irish, and Black. And so, um, you know, in terms of eat, the food that you eat, you just, I thought all Jamaicans at a certain way. And, you know, we have, we incorporated a lot of different cultures without, and I didn't know until you go outside and then you see, oh, other people do things differently. And then um, I went to New York and I, my, uh, my first husband, um, the name is Thompson, but his grandfather changed the name um, from uh, Bridge Mahan to Thompson to fit in. And so my kids, <laughs> from that perspective, and then when I, you know, I, I married the, the Jamaican Chinese and, but he was, was Chinese, you know, a lot of Jamaicans say he was, you know, half or what, he was not half, he was Chinese. And, and so you have that aspect. So I was always part of the Asian American community, um, you know, and I have the, the actual, you know, traditional dress that you wear. So when the, when I was invited to Korean Korean events, I, I wore my hanbok, you know, and I'm quite comfortable, but that that's, has always been a part of my life. And so um, I can move between cultures and really understand perspective, I understand the immigrant perspective, because um, I can't imagine coming here and not already speaking English. So, you know, from a multi, I talk about multicultural um, I, I, I believe I get it because I've lived it. And you've got that in depth. It's, it's ingrained. It's, it's in the blood, as they say. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. Absolutely. So you, 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 your son 
uh, convinced you. Norcross yeah. is home. Norcross is the place to be. So, um, and then I agreed. <laughs> and and since then, my my older son has moved to Peachtree Corners, very close by, but not the same, right? So that's where he found his home. And um, and um, my son lives three minutes away from here by car, but it's like literally twelve minutes by walk, just walking. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so we, you know, we convene a lot and we don't get tired of each other, which is crazy because we actually, they work in my firm. So a, a big part, I started this advertising agency almost 21 years ago. And my daughter had, um, it was just around when she was born. So she remembers being literally under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm working and hoping she's not going to cry as I'm talking to clients because I started from home and before I was able to, you know, um, get an office, I start get, got an office in, in Alpharetta. And of course, we have grown. Um, today, I have 18 employees. You know, it's still a small agency by, you know, the definition of small agencies, although people they're like 18 employees. Yeah, the payroll is <laughs> something. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but you're you know, doing it. I'm you're doing it. I don't have a choice. Yes, I mean, so it, it it's up. I just want to emphasize that, and you know, I um, some folks know that for years I, I've I've been a strong component, have a strong component, a, a a vein in my life that I want to see all people thrive, and I, you know, I volunteered for STEM and STEAM programs. But I've put together something that I hope I will be able to launch effectively. Well, I'm just going to put it out there. I will. And its point and purpose is to drive entrepreneurialism like blood, like, you know, in the veins of our kids at the high school level, not, you know, to to weigh. There are other programs that address things at the uh, middle school level. They're all great. But like I often tell people, there's always room for one more. And I think this program has a particular niche at the high school level that will start to just catapult women and young women and young men into the mental mindset that they feel they can do the thing that you did without having being forced to it by circumstance. You know, um, you did what you did because you had to eat. And that's yeah. more often than not, way more often than not, how it occurs. But you continue through life and you built this, this organization, 18 people. Again, you know, folks are, are, are right to go, well, that's, that's, that's a knot <laughs> because it is. But you're doing it you have a going concern. There is no young woman, no young man of color that cannot emulate what you did. The only problem, and we know it's a real one, is that the barriers to success are not the same. Equity so is difficult. a real challenge and it's a slog. And I've said this time and time, and it's happened to me personally in my own affairs. It shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard, but it is. That's just the way the game, unfortunately, is played. And often enough, we know people play it against us, Sophie, like Game of Thrones. We see it in our politics. We see it in our business. We see it in our everyday lives. But I like to think that folks who want to step up and help and serve and be a stateswoman will do the right thing and start to knock those barriers down. Now, I th to be honest, I think people don't intentionally... The majority of people are, they're just great, good people. I don't think they intentionally want to put barriers in front of you, but they just don't know any, they don't know that they don't know. And so even with speaking with someone, someone just running here in Norcross, because I'm also about diversity and inclusion, 
and, um, you know, in walking and just talking to folks. And he said to me, Sophie, I hear you want to, um, you know, um, make things, um, you know, he didn't want to say the word easier, but it's like, you know, here you want to make like preferential treatment for black people. And it's no, because you're putting emphasis on being included doesn't mean that you just want to be able to have people have a seat at the table too. Yeah. I want a seat at the table. That's I want to be, you know, my values. I'm also running against someone that happens to be African-American. Um, but my values, I believe, are, are different. And I, not just values. I think my, you know, he's a great guy, but I believe I can, I have worked with so many cities. Heck, I have, you know, I work with the city of Fairburn. I'm helping them. They're doing a taste of, of Fairburn coming up. I'm helping them with strategy and getting that together. I've helped the city of South Fulton. I mean, in terms of, uh, I mean, I've been there, done that. Even though I don't have the experience of sitting on, on city council, I have, um, you know, even with historic preservation, I've worked with organizations, the one started by Coretta Scott King, HDDC, um, dot, you know, and the website hddc.org, I have to give props to them, you know, helping define their strategy and how they're going to um, help define um, Auburn Avenue, and you've seen the changes and, and components of, of Old Fourth Ward. So it's real. I know I have that experience and I can bring that to Norcross. Um, and why not in the place that I, I live, I value, I love and want to make better for, for me and generations to come after me. I want it to be easier for others um, and not as difficult as what I had to do. I often wonder you know, where would I be today and how many lives could I have actually affected if I had been given the same, um, not having to consistently explain my intentions. Absolutely. You know? So, you know, another person said, you're a successful woman. Why do you want to do this? So I'm like, what defines success for you? You know, throw it back. You know, if success is about money for you and you need money for, for everything, but you, it's, 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 that's not it for me. Literally peace of mind is the number one for me. And I want to know that I've done the best that I can do for others and knowing whatever it is, I've really truly done my best to make this a better place. And why not start where I live? Absolutely. A whole bevy of good messaging right there. A whole, <laughs> I, you just threw a basket at me. I'm, I'm hit all in the face. That's <laughs> it. perfect, Sophie. Because I mean, you know, what you, you said it, you said it, you said you hit the you hit the nail on the head, right? Um, and it's a perfect way to put it. A seat at the table. A seat at the table. I've gone from boardroom to buckhead club to several different spaces, commerce club, and and you sit down, and even if you know the the word describing me comes up as sometimes erudite, intelligent, you know what you're talking about, but still, you know, um, someone wants to lean into and, and, I'm, and I don't want anybody to get offended listening to this, I, I was, but I was offended. And it's not because they said this to me in comparison, but that's not what I was there for. So I was talking to this one gentleman, trying to get him to kind of jump into this idea and his eyes got big and he just leaned forward. He said, wow, you speak so well. Are you a preacher <laughs> or, or a deacon? You know, I'm, I'm quite sure your people, you guys, are you involved in your church in any capacity? And I had to sit back and so I've been sitting here talking for 40 minutes. And that's what you say to me, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and, and, and we're talking about those challenges. And, and like you said, I, he was a good guy. I could tell. And I hear the fact that he pissed me off 
to the festivity degree, right? Because um, he didn't mean anything by it. But even the comparison when I'm trying to do some good work in another vector here, in, a, in another area, it just, it, it shook the whole paradigm, it shifted it. And that's not what I was there to discuss. And, you know, we come across those things all the time. Like you said, your conversation with your neighbor. Those are the things. Those are real barriers. And like you said, they don't necessarily mean that microaggressions happen. And sometimes they're sinister. And But I think, to your point, the majority of the times they aren't. I had a conversation with one of my coworkers the other day. And she didn't know that, you know, folks, you know, that she hears the music and whatnot. But she was like, do well-meaning people or whatever they are st still use the N-word and um, against us, right? And I told her story and she was shocked. She said, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. She kept saying that. So to your point, it's it's not knowing. The stories aren't shared enough, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do this. So people could hear. So people could yeah. understand experiences like yours. But I wanna I wanna ask you another question and you, you slid right into it. And I think it's really important. So at this point, because we're almost at time, you know, you're running for city councilwoman and I want you to differentiate yourself from the other candidate in the race. And you kind of spoke to that a little bit, but can you clarify to the folks why you feel you're better for the position? Well, uh, you know, I think we both bring value to the table. However, I, from my vantage point, and I feel that having run a business, starting it from scratch, um, being an immigrant, this, this uh, Norcross, has 46% Hispanic. I am not a Hispanic woman, but I am a, a multicultural woman. And I understand, um, you know, someone said to me, well, there, um, I was saying, you know, this room is not diverse. And they looked, you know, that black and white is in here. Yes, but it's not representative of the residents of Norcross. And so I really feel they don't, you know, they don't feel the um, Hispanic community does not feel empowered. Um, the Asian American community does not feel empowered. The black community does not feel empowered. And even um, the, the folks that live on the east side of Gwinnett who happen to be white don't feel empowered and included. My job, um, if elected, is to go out into all communities you don't have to come to us like somebody um, said, but they don't come over to us. You know, uh, it's not your job. It's not their job to come to you. You are representing them. You go to them. That's how, in fact, I've built my business that way. I'm not going to sit here and hope the phone rings. I have to make sure the phone rings or I physically go out to clients, meet with them, potential clients. You know how many times... I have had, you know, if I do a hundred proposals, how many I probably get five, am I just going to give up? No, you, it's your responsibility. If somebody puts you in office, you do that job. When a client comes to me and said, I, I want to know that you to do this, 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 guess what? If I think of something else or know better, I say, look, you, sh you asked me for 10 things. I really think you should focus on these six based on my past experience. I really think you should focus on maybe doing, instead of 10, doing 15. But I have to physically go there. You hired me for something. I have to do the research and I go there. And I believe I, I have that understanding of what it really takes to listen because it's my living, right? If I don't, 
I, I it's not not just my mouth to feed. I have 18 more families to think about besides my own, right? So I really feel I have that value. I've worked with government, city, federal, state. You know, when the state of Georgia hired me to do Live Healthy Georgia, I went to nooks and crannies in Georgia, South Georgia. Didn't matter if the, there were white people, black people, Asian, you know, the, the fact is though they were poor people and they needed to understand you know, what the state can help them, what the benefits the state can help them do. I went to every nook and cranny. There were, I forget how many districts we had to go through to, to, to help folks. And so I believe I have that, that understanding. Um, you know, you name the industry, I've possibly worked with them from the CEO to the folks in marketing or just the project managers or going directly to their, their you know, facing, client facing. Um, my customers, clients themselves. So I really feel I bring that to the table, that understanding of you have to listen to people. No matter my walking, walking through Norcross, every, no matter the size of your home, what size the house is, doesn't matter what job the person has. Do you hear me? Do you see me? And does what matters to me and my family matter to you? That's it. It's so simple. And um, it's that's the true human experience crosses all races irrelevant of the race. So I want to be able, I have that understanding. I believe from a multicultural standpoint, I can have, you know, get, get all folks of Norcross to the table. I'm passionate enough. And I, um, I believe in what I'm doing to, um, to make this happen. Heck I've lived it since I came to this country, you know, been dropped in and, and, and made it, um, you know, made it happen. So I believe I want to empower others to, to believe that they too can make it happen. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Sophie, I think you have given us the last word and I would just kind of phrase that as a seat at the table for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to edge the edges with us today. And hopefully we can have you on again sometime soon. Yes, it's such a pleasure, Derek. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're obviously serving as well and I'm grateful for that. And we all should be grateful for what you're doing, having, you know, helping. You're providing a platform to have voices heard. And um, that's a big part of service. Because, you know, if no platform, <laughs> if, if nobody's willing, you know, to provide the platform, there is nothing, you know, for anybody to say or to reach anyone. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sophie, I know you got to get out there. I think I might be seeing a little bit of sun. So I'm going to keep sending out positive energy for you. All right. I appreciate that. So thank you, Sophie. Thank you. But we got we've got one thing we got to add. Right. We, we almost missed it. So please. Say what you got to say. Put it out there so folks will know. To know more, uh, go to sophiefornorcross.com. That's S-O-P-H-I-E, the number four, and norcross.com. Or you could do S-O-P-H-I-E-F-O-R, norcross.com. I, I did it all. So, <laughs> so no, you can definitely find me. Absolutely. All right. Thank Absolutely. you so much. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Sophie. A dynamic entrepreneur, 
committed to growth, a business owner who wants to preserve the promise of Norcross, while at the same time supporting its growth. Thank you for etching the edges with us, Sophie. It was a real pleasure. And of course, we have to thank you, our listeners, for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, so please like and subscribe. Tell your family, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Etch the Edges. And don't forget to visit our website at EtchTheEdges.com. Check us out. Join the movement. Express your commitment to the cause. The cause for a better America, a better world, where we all can stand together at the mountaintop. Do it for America. Indeed, do it for a better world. Be good to yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time.